0: Hey, listeners, there's a new podcast in town. It's called Boozy Blatherings. I know you're going to love it. It's a drunken vocabulary lesson. Learning while drinking, what could be better than that? It's hosted by the very entertaining Megan Mitlow. Look for it and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Here's a taste of it now.
1: Hi, I'm Megan. I know about four words and three of them are curses. Welcome to my new podcast, Boozy Blatherings.
0: It's the perfect combination of drunk history and Merriam-Webster's word of the day. I'll be your host at this cocktail party, where every week we'll have a new guest, we'll learn a new word, and we're going to have a lot of cocktails. So pour yourself a drink and get cozy, because we're going to have
2: fun. Welcome to If This Bar Could Talk, a podcast about bartenders and the stories they have to tell, as well as the storied history of cocktails, spirits, and bars. I'm Blair Beavers, and here's your host, Leanne Sims.
0: Greg Burnett, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. So we've seen you around a lot in the city. Sure. We saw you, um, of course, everybody knows 614 Tiki.
1: We have a lot of fun. So
0: is that still going on? I mean, uh, after COVID, is that going to come back?
1: We hope to. Uh, You know, we haven't spent a lot of time discussing it because it seems like it's, you know, not the best way to you know, focus our energy right now, just because Rebecca has a lot going on and Sarah has a lot going on. You know, I do as well, but when it comes time that when we can actually do something, I think we'd all want to, you know, continue with that.
0: So Rebecca Monday. Yep. And Sarah,
1: Uh, Sarah Rose.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. So how did six, one, four Tiki? how did that come about?
1: So Rebecca did this, thing at little rock so little rock little rock is not open on mondays and rebecca's last name of course is monday so once a month on monday quinn the owner of little Mm -hmm. rock would invite rebecca to come in and she would just have whatever theme she wanted to do and they call it rebecca mondays and it was fun it's mostly industry forward which is what we like anyway all the time you get to see our friends you know and uh she did several of them and she did a pretty successful christmas one and Uh, That was a lot of fun. And she asked me if I wanted to do a tiki one. And I said, sure, uh, but it's going to be a lot. We're going to put a lot more into it. Like, if you want to do a tiki, you can't just kind of a little bit do it. It has to be a very immersive experience, right? So she agreed to it. And, of course, I was in the process of collecting things to build a tiki bar in my basement at the time. So I had all this, like, ephemera. Uh, Sarah and I did. And uh, so we started like kind of taking stock of things and planning it out. And we pushed it back a little bit because we wanted to like spend some time planning it instead of just kind of Wing getting out a staple gun and go into party city or whatever, you know, we, nice, you know, I mean, there are like very poor attempts at Tiki that I've seen. And I mean, not like pop forever, just like actual bars, you know, but so I said, okay, let's do this. She said, yeah, this is awesome. Let's do this. And we did it. We like, like started an Instagram account, like really started pushing it and promoting it hard and trying to create content to build some sort of uh, uh, momentum going into the event. And then it ended up being like really, really successful and busy. And we both at the end of the night, you know, after just pouring drinks all night, just kind of sitting there at the table outside, everyone's gone, just looking at each other, like we did it. This was awesome. (laughs) And there's no better feeling than in the middle of that, you know, Sarah's DJing and it's just, it, it's not the, she doesn't DJ like the, like the Exotica type music. You hear like the old timey tiki stuff. It's like hard, like surf rock the whole time and really loud and people are dancing and stuff. And it's great. But all that energy and all the people, it just, at the end, it's just, you're empty. You're done. And we look at each other, we did it. And we're just like, we got to do this again. We have to do it again. <laughs> so we just started doing it and we love it. It's a ton of work we decorate for 12 hours before the event. Then we do the event. And like I said, you're empty when it's over, but then you still got to tear it down. Cause they open back up on Monday or well, we Sunday. Sunday. Right. So we have to tear it all down, load it all back into the U-Haul we rented, you know, take it <laughs> back to my house. So, but it's so worth it. it there's it, part of what I love about bartending is just like the experience, right? not, just for you, but the one you create for the guests and you like give of yourself and it's yeah. really rewarding. But that is like really concentrated aspect of that feeling. It's just, I mean, so high energy the whole time. And then, its I don't know, it's a wonderful feeling when it's done and during it, whatever.
0: Well, I really enjoy it.
2: We, we've been to a few and we love going yeah there's so much fun
0: i particularly love uh drinking a cocktail out of a giant duck
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> you got to drink out one of
1: the ducks and oh, that's awesome we saw it was this, shared <laughs> we saw this at a, a thrift store we're like this isn't really tiki but it's really us mm. so we'll just we'll really put it on social media and whatever it, it's cool
0: so the fun thing about tiki like you said, it's it's an experience. It's an immersive experience. It takes you away. That's what we need here in gray-ass Columbus, Ohio. Right. Um, so I, I think you guys did it really, really well. Um, and it,
2: it was a, a great service for our town.
0: Yeah, and it, the cocktails were amazing. And with tiki cocktails, they sneak up on you, right? Like you don't feel like there's a lot of alcohol i think that's why you do um like this is a two person cocktail and you can only have one of them or whatever um <laughs> we don't
1: really place any rules except for they don't
2: <laughs> drive home after right <laughs> but i won't give you a suggestion i guess but yeah now the, the last place we saw you at was wonder bar tell us about that and like your experience there and
1: Well, I was working with uh, a good friend of mine, Jason Sad, who was a manager at Pins, and I was working at Pins. Okay. Uh, And I got to kind of develop the cocktails there as well for all their locations while I was doing it. And uh, that was cool because it was a different sort of challenge where, okay, not to disparage any of the people that work there because there's all different kinds of bartenders. You don't have to be a cocktail bartender to be a really, really good bartender. No. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. But I have to design cocktails that – are that someone with the average palate wants to drink more than one of uh. that a, that an average bartender can make in less than a minute mm-hmm. right and that are still interesting and look good on Instagram right yeah, I mean that's the challenge it's, so, it's
2: all of those things. <laughs> so
1: that was fun and I made some stuff that I was I liked and was proud of and stuff and the stuff I loved though that sold very poorly, you know what I mean? <laughs> It's because it's just not the—it's not a craft cocktail place. It's not. It's, no. it's fine, uh, but, then but it's Wonder- a fun place, right? Yeah, it was fun, uh, and my friend Jason Sad, who was managing there, uh, got an offer to manage this bar, Wonder Bar, in the old Max and Irma's in German Village. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I told him, I said, "Listen, if you let me, basically." have control of the beverage program and give me like four shifts a week or something. I don't care. Plus like a, a prep shift. We'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll come work over there with you. I, it's close to my house, you know, like the, I don't know, being open, being at work till four in the morning is, you know, getting a little old for me. So, mm-hmm. uh, he said, sure. So we got to do some pretty fun, fun stuff there. Cause I didn't, he kind of like just, let me off my leash, you know, let me kind of do whatever I wanted, As long as, as long as like you can stay like in the, this fiscal responsibility area and, you know, people are going to buy, if people buy or are buying the drinks, cool. So you got to do some stuff that, I don't know. I like this juxtaposition of like highbrow, lowbrow, like highbrow techniques or ingredient stuff and maybe like a lowbrow sort of like a, like a, an ingredient or a theme, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like we did a like frozen Baja Blast Mountain Dew margaritas, but with like mezcal, and <laughs> you know, uh, we garnished it with a Dorito. It can't be straightforward.
0: <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome to me. It was, it was really you had good. Me at <laughs> mezcal and Doritos. Hell it was yeah. really
1: good. Uh, or we did a clarified milk punch, and this is one of my favorite drinks I've ever done. Is we did a clarified milk punch, but we did it uh, with fruity pebble cereal milk.
0: I remember this. Yes.
1: We we tried that one. So we I was in New York, Sarah and I were in New York, and uh we went to Christina Tosi's Milk Bar, which is like a dessert place. Mm-hmm. They have several places in New York. And their the cereal milk ice cream is one of the big things. And you can get a lot of her other stuff like to, shipped to you, and we tried a bunch of other stuff before we'd been there, but you can't get that shipped to you, or I don't think they do, or maybe they do now. But the cereal they used was just cornflakes, and I was so disappointed when I tried, I was like, man, you I mean there's so many good stupid kid cereals. <laughs> and you're gonna do something yeah. so novel, you can have more fun with it. I, I mean, think.
2: apple jacks, yeah. tricks, you <laughs> name, sugar smacks, you name it.
1: Yeah. So I said, I'm gonna do clarified milk punch. We're gonna do it with fruity pebbles. Uh, and it took me a while to like really learn how to. Clarify it properly in like a for a service setting like in large large batches but I think we got it down got it super clear and yeah I mean it's just like that sort of a thing right where you Mm -hmm. got like a little bit of novelty to it but it's still you have like the technique or the ingredients or whatever that, that keep it elevated to a certain extent without taking yourself too seriously
0: yeah I love that so you're no longer or you're taking a break from the industry
1: well I love Bartending and I love the industry, but I hope it's never have to do it again as a job. So I, after the restrictions loosened up a little for uh, for COVID nineteen, we uh, or I started a business doing home renovations, and it's been going very well. Uh, mostly because everyone's sitting at home looking at their house, they can't. They're working from home. They're yeah, like, I gotta I gotta do something about this place. Yeah. you know, <laughs> or. All right, this summer we did a ton of privacy fences. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah. People, that they makes want sense. Their, their outside living s- <laughs> yeah. situation. Yeah. You, I want to be know. in my
2: backyard, but I don't want to see my neighbor.
1: Right. But if you can't go out to a bar and enjoy things with your friends or whatever. And you, so, you, one, you've got hope some people, not everyone, but some people, you know, because they're spending less, end up with more money at the end of the day. Other people, of course, it's been much harder for mm-hmm. But, and then they're spending so much time at home. They're more motivated to make these sort of things, so but that's been going very well. So I hope I don't ever have to do it for a job again. I'd love to continue doing 614 and tiki or like mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, if Alex at Sidebar called me up and was like, uh, "Can you come in for this event?" I'd be like, "Sure." You know, I'll help yeah. you out. Yeah. Knock the rust off. It feel good. Mm-hmm. And when I was I was doing both for a while. I was at Sidebar like three, maybe four shifts a week, and doing this. It was like, it was good because it took me a while to really get up and running with my business. So it was nice to have that stable income. But I was just, seven days a week, every week is too much, you Mm -hmm. know, so.
0: Yeah. So what's the name of your uh, business?
1: Uh, It's Cozy Home Services.
0: Cozy Home Services. Mm -hmm. It's a nice name.
1: Yeah. So I kind of, I wanted to brand it in a certain way. The sort of place that your parents would have called to like fix something at the house you grew up in in the nineties or whatever. Mm-hmm. But also I put the service. So I, I thought about it I was like cozy home renovations, cozy home, you know, whatever at the end. I was like services, service, service. I can take this sort of thing that was important to me with bartending. And it's like giving people a good experience through service and do that with this company too. And take that sort of, you know, ideology or whatever behind what made bartending fulfilling for me and transition that into this. So that's why I picked that word at the end. I like that. So
0: then do you think that you have a particularly um, specialized skill set in building a home bar that maybe a regular renovation person might not have?
1: Yes, but I really want to, I would love to build actual bars. Like, 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 So I have a friend who also works at Sidebar. You two know him, I'm sure, Jason Webb. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And after our shifts at Sidebar, we'd often cross the street, go to Little Palace or El Camino and sit down and have a couple drinks and just be kind of stare off into space. But uh, we always said that bartenders should be designing the bars. Yeah. Because many bars we've worked at are horribly inefficient. Yeah. Uh, And if a bartender was designing it, it wouldn't be. So I think that would be cool
2: sometime in the future. You know, we'll see.
0: I think that's awesome.
2: We've we've heard that so many times. Yeah.
0: If you were creating your ideal home bar, price is no object, what would you have in your home bar?
1: Well, my home bar would certainly be a tiki bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've met. So an ice uh,
0: crushing machine or?
1: Yeah. Uh, if price is no object, I'd get like a pebble ice machine, Right. Uh, that way you never have to worry about running out of ice, which is the worst with Tiki drinks. Mm-hmm. And for the 614 Tiki, we just go buy bags and bags and bags of Sonic ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, Tiki bar, pretty large footprint.
2: As big as the kitchen?
1: Mm, Almost? As big as at least half of a normal size basement. You, oh. you can still have like a laundry, you know, <laughs> but everything else is Tiki. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, like, I to like have, it. I, I know like you it. can't really do it now, but I like it a lot. I like to throw parties. I want a lot of people in my house. I want to entertain and I want people to enjoy. You know. But yeah, the bar itself in that situation is not that important. Mm-hmm. It's you have some seating areas, the lighting, uh, like textures and colors are dark and yeah, and low ceilings. Perfect in a basement. That's why basement tiki bars are so popular. But. You still have to have something behind the bar. You got to have running water. Mm -hmm. You have to have, you know, refrigeration, whatever. Mm -hmm. And maybe just take like an old refrigerator with a tap handle on the side with the keg of high life in there and (laughs) wrap it in like top of cloth or whatever just so it blends in a little bit.
0: (laughs) Okay. So I think that you should renovate my home. Sure. Uh, But I don't want my bar in the basement. I want it in the kitchen. Okay. And I want a ice crusher. Okay. And I want one of those things that's, that that uh, chills your glass. You know, you set it in a and it chills your glass immediately. Sure. And a nice fridge for white wine, sparkling wine, stuff like that. And those all are, of our mutes. Yeah. So that that uh, there are my things that that those I are, want.
2: Those are the. Absolutely must have.
0: Yeah. Do you think, does that sound reasonable?
2: Yeah, of course.
1: You gotta think, have what you want.
0: I so <laughs> what I what I think is, is that when you have a party, people always gravitate for the kitchen anyway. Yes, like everybody wants to be in the kitchen. So why not have your amazing bar in your kitchen? It's perfectly <laughs>
1: sounds perfectly reasonable to me.
0: And then the basement, you know, that can be other shit down there.
1: And instead of an old refrigerator with a tap handle off the side, you could have a like a mini kegerator underneath your sink, and the tap handle can come right to your to into your sink.
2: I like oh, that Oh, yeah. That saves time. Mm. Yeah.
0: I think you might have uh, found your niche. <laughs> so are you planning any new Tiki events, or is that totally on the back burner?
1: Well, we kind of maybe talked about maybe trying to do a Tiki week this year without the in-person event that we wouldn't hold. We it, 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 it just kind of... We kind of stopped talking about it, and that's fine because there's, it's an uncertain time, and it mm-hmm. takes us a lot, a lot, a lot of efforts to do the Tiki Week, more than just like the normal Tiki events or whatever. So maybe we wait until things are back to normal a little bit more. But we did do the the, the takeout, um, the tiki, 614 Tiki drive throughs at Little Rock, and those were awesome. I think we might have been the first ones to do to-go cocktails.
0: I remember that was really mm-hmm. early on.
1: Right. It was like, I think it is like the week after what DeWine said that we could do to go cocktails. And uh, we were very happy to do it uh, for Quinn because we know what type of time bars and restaurants are heading right now. And I think he would say that we helped him out quite a bit. And it was, that's I feel so good about that because he creates such an awesome place there for mm-hmm. his employees, his guests, everyone. I mean, he's a genuine dude. So that was cool. And also we just got to have a lot of fun, you know, got to bring some people in to help us do prep, uh, sold out our drinks every time. And the last one is when they started allowing some in-person on-premise drinking, we said, well, I think, you know, we can step away now. And, you know, of course, Rebecca had to figure out how to implement life at her place, you know. No, we haven't. We don't know what we're going to do next. As soon as we can do in person stuff, we'll start again. Mm-hmm. You know, we're doing cool. it about four times a year. That's probably what we'll do again. And it's great. I mean, it's so much fun when you get to do it.
0: What's your favorite tiki drink?
1: Oh, the Mai Tai is the greatest cocktail Mellow of all time. Mai
0: Tai. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, all my, all my favorite drinks start with the letter M, but Mai Tai is my favorite. <laughs> uh, what are the others then? Uh, martini, specifically the 50 50. Okay. Um I love a mojito. I don't care what anyone says. Ooh, it's yeah, so I love good. mojito too. All right. And uh a mint julep.
0: Oh mint julep. wow. See any man didn't, after my he own didn't heart. Mention, oh my gosh. He didn't even
2: mention the Manhattan. Wow. Which is a big M. That cocktail. is a big M pop. So I don't like Manhattans. No. <laughs> I don't at <know>. all. I do. <laughs> but all right.
0: That's awesome. I love all the things you just mentioned. Me too. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Wow. You know that uh, COVID is has really thrown a wrench into everything. Do you think if it weren't for COVID would you would you still be in the industry or were you I think you said you were transitioning out, but
1: No, I was the Wonder Bar was closing. Like they were going out of business. They yeah. knew this leading up to the the shutdown or whatever. Mm. I was still working at sidebar, had no plans of getting out of the industry. I mean, I love it. I didn't I never can pictured myself doing something different. I had done construction for 10 years before being a bart- bartending for about 10 years and some like serving before that too. And uh, I just for me, that was traveling around the East Coast and building ride aids, right. So mm-hmm. in my mind, it was a lot, a lot of travel. Working for someone else and then, you know, never being home, living out of a suitcase. It was not great. I did it for a long time. But I had to make money and I have a bunch of tools and stuff and, you know, I said, well, I guess I'll be, I guess I'll figure this out, you know. Though my landlord at the time had just bought uh, the duplex that my roommate and I live in or lived in. And the gate blew over. Like, it's old rickety old wooden fence out there in the gate, whatever. And he said, I just can't get anyone out here to even give me a quote. I said, I'll build you a fence, you know. And then he referred me to his friend. I built him a fence. I'm like, all right, this is going somewhere. And then I started, you know, doing whatever. I can. I spent my whole childhood holding a flashlight for my dad, who <laughs> was always a little bit resentful of his dad for never showing him how to do anything. So it was very important for him that I learned how to do these Mm, things. That's awesome. Skills.
2: Skills are important.
1: Right. Yeah, so... It just started more and more and more drywall jobs and plumbing and a hot water heater and tile. Now it's just tile, tile, tile. Everybody wants tile. It's fine. Whatever you want, you know?
0: So how did you start in the bartending business?
1: When I got tired of traveling right living out of a suitcase i was living in toledo with a girl i was dating and her family lived in columbus and she got tired of me being gone all the time too understandably i didn't love it either so i said okay i will move here i will i'll go i'll go back to school so we're going to the university of toledo and working a job hanging drywall for minimum wage. This is like recession time, right? Uh, it, this is, I mean, I, would, I <clears throat> would never pay anyone less than 15 bucks an hour. Per, I mean, that's just my personal uh, choice, especially mm-hmm. for the work that we do. Yeah. But I was making minimum wage hanging drywall, and it was terrible. When I was going to school, I said, okay. We move to Columbus. She wants to be near her family. I want to transfer to Ohio State. Both those things worked out well. And I was really close to here. Uh, I, we were here visiting, looking for an apartment, looking for a job before we moved. And they had open interviews at the CBC restaurant down here. And I was really into craft beer at the time. I'd never been a waiter. I was like a busser at a chi Cheese when I was 16, you know. So I, I sit down in the booth for this open interview and I had just heard all these people talking about how much uh, experience they had as servers you know, like I worked at, you know, whatever steakhouse and all this. And I was like, oh, man. I, like, I don't care. I got nothing to lose. And I was sat down in the booth and I said, I feel like I'm home. <laughs> and they hired me. They hired two people, me and one other person. And all those people went home with all their experience.
0: Oh, wow. So
1: I waited tables there for a couple of years. And then I went to a Cameron Mitchell restaurant, the Cap City and Gahanna, for a couple of years and waited tables. And started bartending at Howl and Owl's on Parsons. Because I begged the bartender there uh, to let me bartend there for like two years. I was like, I was like, you gotta hire me, Rob. I'll be good at this. It was pour beers all day and talk to people. I can do this. And eventually he did. Then I, you know, that's how that's how it all started. I guess I loved wow. it.
0: So when you're when you're pouring beers for people, I I love that experience on the other side of the bar. Um, When I first moved downtown, I, uh, didn't know where to go single woman alone. And so I found my bar in my neighborhood and it was so comforting to just go in there every day and just sit and talk to the bartender. Um, I felt protected. I felt welcome, um, Did you, do you have any sense of how the impact that you have on people, like in the relationship that you have?
1: Well, uh, that bar, Hall and Owl's was very, very heavily regular driven. So at first, when I first started working there, the regulars would come in and be like, who are you? Where's Rob. You know who, who are, who's this guy? Yeah. And it took a long time to win those people over, but I you're still, you're not Rob. I still know, I still know a lot of them, and you know, it's pretty neat. But uh, I think, I don't know. Uh, I know from my position on the other side of the bar, like sitting at the bar, that I, when I go out, I don't go to a bar. I go to see a bartender that I want to see. Right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Even if we're not even friends outside of you know, that, that part of the relationship. Mm-hmm. It's just, I know, I like being there because I think this bartender is good and mm-hmm. they're fun and whatever. I have a good experience there and that's why I go there. Yeah. So I can I can see how that is, uh, how people feel that way. Cause yeah. I feel that way too. And I don't, from, from the opposite side though, I don't really see it. Right. But because I understand that it is, it, it does work that way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I try to take take it very seriously. So, I worked at the Camera Mitchell place and of course, it's the yes is the answer thing and that was a great foundational start for me and CBC before was a Cameron Mitchell place too and they still had all those same tenants and it was great, like it doesn't, it's not about you. I feel like maybe in craft bartending there's a little bit of ego there and that's okay, to be very good at something you have to have a little bit of ego, but it, 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 the experience is never about the bartender should never be should always be about the guest and i think that that is what i try to make my focus on so if sam i'm I'm, I'm the closing bartender the happy hour bartenders there You, you know if they're leaving when i get there or if we're overlapping whatever it doesn't matter if i'm getting there there's already people at the bar maybe i'm not feeling it that day i say you know i'm just having a bad day or i'm tired or whatever I'm walking in I just take a deep breath. I do this exercise, or would do this exercise, and it's the way that I approach and treat the first guest I interact with is going to be the way it's going to be for the rest of the night. So I've got to, even if I'm faking it right now, I've got to fake it in a genuine way and get over that, right? Because I'm not a super extroverted person anyway. But once I get into that kind of that motion, then it's... It, it just feels good and then like no doubt like no self-doubt is what i mean mm-hmm. no self-doubt and i feel the most me that i can feel right that's the thing i miss the most about it
2: hmm.
0: that's so interesting yeah very introspective so you know yourself enough to know i got to i got to do this right got to do this and this is going to you know set the pace you eventually or yeah. ultimately setting yeah. the pace for the rest of your evening
1: and there's a lot of failures leading up to learning that about yourself too though you know just no, going home at night and being like I didn't give that person a good experience I could have done better there i need to Personality, i mean bartending personality is not just like a, some people have it some people don't it doesn't have to be that way now of course some people are more talented naturally at that sort of thing mm-hmm. but it can be somewhat of a learned skill instead of a talent, I think. Right, something you mm-hmm. can work towards. And I know that sounds kind of like little sociopathy, right? Where you got to kind of like fake it, but like you just have to like nudge yourself out of your comfort zone in that moment.
0: I no, think. that makes sense. It does uh, makes you good at your craft. Like it's it's your craft.
1: I don't think this job is about making cocktails, even for a cocktail bartender. I think this job is about ensuring people have a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. So making excellent cocktails or having vast wine or beer knowledge or being good, like having jokes or or being fast, those are all just tools to get you to that ultimate goal. This job, I would say, is almost never about cocktail competitions, although they're very fun and I've had a lot of fun doing them. Mm -hmm. It's about juicing a case of limes at the beginning of your shift and making sure someone who came in in a bad mood leaves uh, having a better day and and then like mopping your floor and cleaning your bar at the end of the night it's like the work of bartending is the job and the other stuff is fun things that you can do you know to you know have fun you know it's but that's
2: not like mm-hmm. the meat of the job mm-hmm. you know that's so amazing i love to say
0: that yeah like that's why we love bartenders.
2: Exactly. That's why we sit at the bar. To we hang out with you across yeah. the bar.
0: Yeah, that's that's so amazing. Everything you do is just really amazing. Um, so you're uh, a tiki guy. You like cocktails that start with M. What's your? Is rum your favorite spirit to work with?
1: Generally. Or just a drink right
0: what type of rum uh like for somebody who doesn't know rum what would you what would you recommend they start with
1: well as chad would say uh chad white yes there is a rum for everyone (laughs) rum is the most diverse spirit and i don't even think it's close just because you can make it in so many different ways Uh, scotch is probably the next close i think because they have Lots of different styles, but rum, wildly, wildly uh, vast styles. Mm-hmm. My favorite style, and I guess I would kind of put it towards the way that a, like a beginning Scotch drinker would look at Isla rum or Isla Scotches, that it's like a challenging palate-wise. But my favorite are definitely high-proof, high-ester Jamaican rums. A real funky, sort of like, um, tastes like... The best way I can put it is rotting fruit in a good way, right? Super overripe banana or pineapple. How
0: high proof?
1: Higher the better. What do you got? Well, I mean, no.
0: (laughs) but No, I'm asking like uh, how high. Well, I know 151, but that's not drinkable. Or OFTD. Oh, that's right. That's good shit.
1: So Ray and Nephew is a high proof unaged Jamaican rum at 126 proof.
2: Oh, so never that's had up that. there. Like, it's wonderful.
1: That. And now it's a wonderful time in Ohio because they're starting to bring in some more rums. We have three overproof, unaged Jamaican rums you can get right now. You can get the Rum Bar Overproof Rum, uh, the Rum Fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are Worthy Park and Hampton Estate that make those in Jamaica. And then you get Ray and Nephew, which is made by Appleton. So three super high proof, unaged Jamaican rums in, o- in Ohio. It's wild. It's a great time to be alive. Huh.
0: So, what is a be- beginner um, tehee cocktail that somebody could make at home, just like a regular person like me?
1: Uh, painkiller. You don't pain even have killer. to juice. Yeah, you don't even have to juice any citrus or anything. A lot of people maybe will buy bottled citrus for at home use, and it's probably the worst thing you could do to your drink.
2: And what's in a painkiller? Remind me.
1: Uh, it is Coco Lopez coconut cream. I usually buy Coco Lopez, so I just call it by name. Yeah. Uh, Rum, uh, it's kind of weird to call it by the colloquial sort of like English rum, but it's, uh, I would use pussers or pussers gunpowder gun proof. Uh, pineapple juice, orange juice, uh, huh. and then top of the nutmeg. Hmm.
2: Mm. I might be getting that
1: wrong, it's been a long time, but it's super easy. Shake it, just pour the ice you shook with right back in the drink. You can, I would recommend crushed ice, don't have to use crushed ice. It's going to taste pretty good either way. And uh, shave a little nutmeg on top. It's wonderful. Mm. One of my favorite tiki bars in the whole world is Tiki Tea in L.A. It's a tiny little place. been there since the 50s. Uh, but their drinks are not very good. <laughs> They're just not. They, they use like <laughs> like, a, like a bar sour mix instead of lime, and they use uh. pretty low-quality rums. It doesn't matter. It's a wonderful place. It's magical in there. I would sit there and drink their Not very good drinks all day.
0: What's magical about it?
1: Well, like we said, tiki is immersive. Yeah. And tiki has its roots in like the 40s and 50s and and it starts to go a little bit downhill from there. But
0: purely American, right?
1: Well, many would argue, right? This is certainly like a construct of like the American psyche of the 30s and 40s where the world was a much larger place. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, you could... This is so when Chinese food was like an exotic thing, generally for most people in the yeah. country. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, what makes it a wonderful place is the history of it, the bartenders, the traditions they have there, the all the ephemera on the walls, how old and authentic it is. Uh, authentic, right? To to tiki culture, not sure. to Polynesian culture. Yeah. Uh, and it just you just feel. It's on Sunset Boulevard in LA too. You know what I mean? It's awesome I've
0: never been there. I need to go.
1: <laughs> I mean there's if you want I mean good I've drinks, never been to LA. If you want good drinks, uh tiki drinks in LA, there's I can give you lots of good recommendations. But if you want an awesome experience, I would go here first. Mm. They have this little thing where they have this mechanical bull and they have a drink called the Blood and Sand, which is not the Blood and Sand. It's a different drink altogether, but it's called that. And it's also not a tiki drink and it's also not very good. (laughs) (laughs) But they crank up this mechanical bull and let it run across the bar whenever someone orders it. And the bartenders yell, Toro! Toro! And the whole bar yells, Toro! Toro! And it's just wonderful. It's nothing to do with tiki, but it's
2: it's or blood and sand, right? Or blood and sand, <laughs> or quality. <laughs> but it's great. It's wonderful. Awesome. That All right. Well, I'm right. getting thirsty now. What are what are you going to make for us this evening?
1: I you know I've never made this drink before, and I'll tell everyone a secret about six one four tiki. Is Rebecca and I will sit down at a table, and we know how to balance drinks pretty well without even making them and we make them in such large batches that we can adjust them on the fly so that all the drinks are the same and they all taste good. But we don't test out our drinks.
0: Really? Huh.
1: Never. I mean, there, I
0: would was, not I would not have known that. No
1: me either. Sometimes we'll use a classic and it needs no testing and sometimes we're like, "Well, we know how to balance a drink and we can tweak it as it's all in giant cambros, mm-hmm. you know." But I've never made this drink. And I was drinking a Cab Franc the other day, and I'm like, oh, it's so earthy and good. And I just love Cab Francs. They're my favorite right now. Uh, and it just really has this mushroom, like, vegetal undertones to it. Mm. And I was like, this would be good with, like, Mezcal. And There's this drink I used to make. It was a little bit like Morgenthaler's Bourbon Renewal that uh, had cassis in it. But also, I put uh, red wine in it as well. And I was like, oh, this would be kind of good. Cab Franc, Mezcal cassis lemon a little bit of simple i I mean i thought it'd be great and i've been thinking about it for a few days and then you guys approached me and asked me if i like to do this so i was like well this is a cool time now we we can try this out
0: very fun maybe
1: it'll be terrible
0: i'm i doubt that (laughs) all right
2: all right so let's take a break then and we will try this new concoction that you've never tried before sure All right, we are back with this unnamed cocktail, but
0: She's cheers. She's a beaut.
2: it, Beautiful. Cheers. Thank cheers. you. Cheers. Ah, oh, that's delicious.
0: That is really good. So All tell right. us what's in it.
1: Okay, so this is uh, the Illegal Reposado. Um, the Cab Franc, uh, creme de cassis, this is a black currant liqueur. Although if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know that (laughs) usually, right? Um, lemon juice, a little bit of simple, that's it. simple, straightforward, uh, yeah, I was sitting at 185. They have a great by the glass Cab Franc. Uh, for a good price and weird i was drinking it. it's like man this is so mushroomy i just love it so much and i wonder what it would be good in and i just started thinking this is what it is so first time i've ever made it
0: it's really good it's delicious good. so is that your process then you're like you drink something or taste something and you're like i mm, feel like I can what make can a I do cocktail. with
1: this? sometimes uh, yeah, uh, some. I mean, you can get inspiration from anywhere, but like generally, uh, I love to cook, so it's a very most of craft bartending happens in the kitchen usually, mm-hmm. you know. So it's an easy transition for me, and I did it. I know I said that you know, the the meat of bartending isn't cocktail competitions, but I did a cool tiki cocktail competition. Uh, it was a gin tiki cocktail competition with Christina Basham at. And uh, and Chad Kessler at um, the Grass Skirt, uh, and I did this cocktail called the King of Siam, which was a green curry gin riff on a mai tai. As huh. crazy as that sounds, yeah. I and mean, I just used like the the so tiki cocktails aren't balanced quite like a lot of other cocktails. There's a couple other uh, acts that you have to balance them on with like spice and stuff like that. But uh, I just basically used the template for a mai tai and just plugged in the different flavors, I made a green curry drink. So, like, green curry is one of my favorite flavors, and I've always wanted to do a green curry drink, and I just thought it was, like, a cool time to do it. And And with gin? With gin.
0: What type of gin?
1: Well, it was a Middle West competition, so I used the the Middle West gin. Bim pedal. Well, it was also with with Chad's uh, clawfoot gin. I didn't use that gin, but I did add a little bit of his rum, which I... Being a rum guy, maybe I'm a little biased, but I think his pipe dream rum is the best spirit made in this city. I mm-hmm. don't even think it's close. <laughs> I I love that rum, too. I
0: think his absinthe is amazing. Oh, we talk about good. him a lot on this yeah. show. We love him. We think he is a he's a jewel. He's like pure. He's a, a jewel, a mm-hmm. gem, a Columbus gem. Yeah.
2: More people need to know about him and his spirits at 451. Yeah
0: so you have this cute little garnish here um so is that important
1: uh i didn't even put any thought into the garnish usually that's like at the end of my idea sometimes the garnish is the inspiration too though right but usually that's the end of the process of development for me it's just the garnish but i saw i have lemon in the drink you have lemon over there a y peeler and a cutting board a knife set up and frankly katie at sidebar has this drink it's my favorite drink they put on the new menu called Just a Pomelo and it's a Mezcal grapefruit drink with nice. egg
0: white.
2: Le- Leanne just had this.
0: My favorite. This it's
2: past my I'm yes. so, so proud Fantastic. of her. Fantastic. Fantastic yes. cocktail. But she does
1: this on her drink, except for it's a grapefruit peel. And I was like, Well Right, mm-hmm. right. Sidebar is a magical place. For anyone who has never been there, you're doing your stomach a disservice. The food there is amazing it is especially for the money the best food downtown veritas might give it a run but you're in different tax brackets for the food right Mm -hmm. it's also a wonderful place Mm -hmm. for sure yep um but sidebar i'm a little bit of me is like during normal times i'm like i'm kind of happy that not everyone knows this is here right (laughs) right now i wish everyone would just go there and throw their money at them yeah but The food there is wonderful, and I've never, ever, working anywhere, felt more a part of a family than I have there. The people, the culture there is just really wholesome and and wonderful. Yeah, I would say it's amazing. That's great.
0: That's so wonderful to hear because um, they are on our cocktail tour, and um, the most amazing hospitality we've ever received has been there. That's like, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Tiersa has, like, she rolls out the red carpet. She's just, um And even when amazing. we're
2: not expecting it, it's yeah. absolutely amazing.
0: So what's your favorite thing to eat there? Mine's the empanadas, beef empanadas. Scallops oh, parmesan.
2: Which is it? The scallops parmesan. Oh, yeah, oh, that's we, good. I don't think
0: we've ever had that.
2: No, we have. Have we? The scallops, yeah.
0: Uh, So, spicy potatoes. Spicy potatoes. Are must.
2: Uh, So good. Cheesy potatoes. So the, good. The uh,
1: the tuna tartare is a pretty pretty frequent go-to for me.
0: I don't think I've had that either.
2: The red pepper goat cheese dip we yep. love. Mm. So many good things. Cilantro hummus. The cilantro hummus is oh. phenomenal. We yep. could go on and on about sidebar. <laughs> the other thing about
1: sidebar is... Uh, Is it has like it's what's got to be the longest open cocktail bar in the city, right? I mean, I mean at this point it's got to be right. Really? Is there one that's been open longer?
0: Oh, certainly
1: been open longer than Moon. I'm sure. Is how
2: long has M been open? That's got to be pretty close. Uh, M M has been open much longer. Okay, but but now they've been closed for a year. Sure.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: Many and more of the best bartenders in Columbus have come through Sidebar. True. Right, cut, either cut their teeth there or did a stint there or whatever. But the people, like the long-termers, the maybe not even lifers, you know, Chris Pinaldo doesn't work there anymore, but like he's one of the long-term people. Like mm-hmm. these are people that are important. He always viewed himself as a custodian of Sidebar, right, when he was the manager there. He wanted to, like he we always knew he was just like taking care of it for a time, but it was important to him that the culture remained uh you know know, whatever was right for for sidebar and so those people
2: and it seems like alex is carrying that torch now he's doing a wonderful job alex is an amazing guy we
0: love that kid so much he's such a great talent and such a sweetheart right no i love that sentiment that's nice. That I'm sure he would back. appreciate I, that. I, I, would,
2: yeah. I would think that it keeps other people coming back too. You, you just look back at like when
1: Sidebar was in its early days, the people that worked there then like um, Grant Bain, mm-hmm. uh, John Tyler. I don't know if you guys know John. He used to work at Curio.
0: Uh-uh.
1: Uh, he's a good friend of mine. I just uh, did some work on his house several times. He's he's awesome. But who? Uh, uh, Josh, oh, I can't. I believe I can't remember
2: his last
0: no, name. No, I know who you're talking about.
1: Also worked at Curio. Yeah, There's yeah. There's been so yeah. many wonderful bartenders that have worked there. You know. Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, yeah, and it seems as though the the best bartenders have shifted between the five or six phenomenal craft cocktail bars that we have in the city. Right. Between Curio, Giuseppe's, Mouton, mm-hmm. Denmark.
0: So, could you use any wine in this cocktail? Well, any I red wine.
2: You could,
1: uh, certainly. Uh, So this is a little bit, when I was working at the Little Palace, we used to do this thing, or I used to do this thing, where I was really into like first really learning about cocktails. And Jeffrey Morgenthaler has a drink called the Bourbon Renewal, where it's lemon, I think he uses wild turkey, which is probably why I made the drink to begin with, because that's my favorite. I love wild turkey, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Lemon, wild turkey, cassis, no, and cassis. Uh, and that was it. Right. Shake and drink. served like on a big rock usually. Uh, and I was kind of into like New York sours at the time. So I just added like whatever red wine is probably behind the bar. It's probably a mile back or something. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was like, wow, this is really good. So I make those pretty often for people, especially if they didn't know what they wanted and I could talk them into letting me try something out or whatever. (laughs) It's not a cocktail place, but I'd like try to get people, you know, uh, and so this is pretty close to the recipe I was using there, except for the inspiration. Of course, was the really mushroomy cab franc, uh, and then I thought that it would pair well with mezcal instead. Mm.
2: The mezcal sits phenomenally well. It, like it is so delicious that you you know it's mezcal, but it's not overwhelming. It's not. It's just part of the cocktail, but you know it's it's right. Mezcal in there. Delicious. Really great cocktail.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this. This Mezcal that you used. Mm-hmm. The, it's
1: the Illegal Reposado.
0: Yes. So I had never seen a Reposado Mezcal. Is that a thing? Yeah. I, well, obviously it's a thing, but um, is Mezcal the same as tequila where it's, Reposado and Anejo, also, or?
1: So, the, from the way I understand it, and I'm not an expert on agave spirits, but it is sort of like a government regu- regulatory thing where it's like, yeah. if we say this on the bottle, if we say reposado or Anejo or extra Anejo, whatever, then it has to be at least this year old. Right? That's the Mexican government thing. Uh, no, I don't know what the leg- legal crossovers are between tequila and, and mezcal, but uh, I'm sure it has to meet at least a certain standard of age. So have you mm. seen,
0: is this commonplace, though, to have Reposado We've never Mezcal's. seen Reposado I'd never Mezcal I've never seen before. that before.
1: Yeah. No? Uh, the thing is, in Ohio, of course, you know, it's very mm-hmm. hard to get interesting things into the state at times. And with Mezcal in particular... You know, the agave plant takes for a long time to grow, and then you harvest it, and that's it. And uh, there's a bunch of, like, small, small farms, plantations, whatever, in Mexico that, that grow the, these agave and then make, like, a small-time distillery or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's very, like, single-village uh, mezcals, and they're just they're wonderful. But, of course, they're very hard to find this far from Mexico, and especially in Ohio. It's a control state that you're not going to see the more more wonderful products that you can get. It's, you, just, you have to go somewhere else to buy these things mm. usually yeah. or spend a bunch of money online or whatever. And mm. I've got a great mezcal at my house.
0: What and is you, it? I want to uh, know. What is it
1: called? <laughs> it comes in a stoneware bottle. Anyhow, uh, it'll come to me. I'll describe it to you. It's uh, So there's a type of mezcal called pechuga. So pechuga... Mm. Uh, means this. chicken breast in, in Spanish, Okay. basically. And over the fermentation vats for the mezcal, they hang raw chicken breasts. Mm. And you, yeah, it sounds gross, but it gets distilled after that. So you're not going to, you know. Yeah. But it does impart a somewhat like, maybe not gamey, but certainly um, Tastes savory. Like chicken. <laughs> 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 it imparts like a savory character to it. All right. Now this one, this mezcal I'm talking about. Uh, they hang raw goat over it. Mm. And it is gaming and it's wonderful. A bartender in
2: Austin turned me on to it. It was pretty awesome. Huh? Cool. There's a whole world that we don't know about.
0: I want to learn more. I really, I have such a interest in uh, learning about tequila and mezcal. Um, it's just such an amazing spirit. Spirits are fun.
1: Mm. of course
0: um, and so I, I've learned a lot about whiskey um, and I want to know more about mezcal and tequila because it's well, fun
2: before we close we ask you for a good bar story you don't <sighs> have the name names it's up to you I was
1: working at a large duckpin bowling bar downtown <laughs>
0: Uh,
1: who shall remain nameless to protect the innocent. (laughs) Now, sometimes people like to have a few drinks there and do things they otherwise wouldn't. (laughs) And I was uh, like a shift floor manager. I would, depending on the situation, I'd either be making drinks or walking the floor, just kind of doing whatever. It was a cool position. But... I had one of our entertainment staff walk up to me and they said, Hey, Greg, these these kids, they, I saw them just leave, leave with like a bunch of bowling balls. Like they just took them with them. I was like, oh, Christ, I need to deal with this. It's like a busy Saturday night or something. Maybe it's starting to wind down after a busy Saturday night. So I'm following them out and they their parks cross the seats. So I follow them into the parking and I said, hey, guys, can I just have the bowling balls back? And we had so many bowling balls; they're just like too beat up to use in the basement. We, I would just, if they just asked, I would just like, yes, yeah, sure, take as many as you want. I don't care. But like of the crappy ones, of the crappy ones. Yeah. You know, if you want a souvenir, that's fine. Uh, and they said, ah, they they gave me trouble about it. And eventually, they threw them out into the parking lot, and I went and collected them like a doofus and walked back over to pins and carried off my shift. Uh, you know, I don't take stuff like that personal. So I'm just. Winding down the night and like clearing tables, helping the uh, the bussers and stuff, and this dude just punches me right in the back. I don't I don't even see this guy coming, just punching me square in the middle of the back. He punched me hard too, and I just turned. I looked at him and he t- takes off towards the door. And it's the the well, guy. Well,
0: you're a big guy too, like. Yeah, he wasn't.
1: <laughs> uh, and he just takes off, and so I a
2: sucker punch was the only way. I, I didn't recognize
1: who <laughs> was, so I like take off after this guy. I don't. I'm probably not a great choice, but I did. And my, I have a busser. He's a good guy named Algernon. And he drops his bus tub. I got this guy the job there. He's awesome. But he's he, he like drops his bus tub and just like grabs on this guy's back. And they both go through the door onto the patio. Uh, not through the glass, but the door opens with help with their momentum. And he's <laughs> on top of him, And he, he doesn't know what's going on at all. He just sees that I'm chasing someone. Uh, I said... Algernon, quit choking this guy, man. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> so I have this guy somewhat subdued. Uh, and I'm not like putting pressure on him. I get Algernon off him. And I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. He's hammered. This girl comes walking around the the corner on the patio. And she starts freaking out that I'm, I guess, holding her boyfriend down. So she starts grabbing me and grabbing me and grabbing me. And she like, I had this like little like leather cord necklace from the kahiki on. And she like rips it off and mm. it snaps. And yeah. one of my uh, barbacks goes to pull her off and she leans back and kicks me square in the face so hard. <gasps> my nose was just like a tomato, just no. blew up. At that time, everyone just like <clears throat> like deadpans. They're like all the energy ceases. I'm like, neither of you guys leave. I'm calling the police.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: police did nothing. Oh, It's, it's fine. Well, they didn't want to ruin someone's life from uh, from the suburbs.
0: Oh fuck that! Yeah, that's assault. Oh, that's, anno- that's annoying. That's fucked up.
1: I spent the weekend in jail. Didn't ruin my life. Taught me a good lesson. Yeah, <laughs> you
0: know. Fuck that. But fuck it's up. fine. Uh,
1: I decided from that point on that I'm never even going to try to break up a fight in the bar. I'm just going to. Try to keep other people out of it. Call the police. Yeah.
0: Um. No. I think the moral of this story is when somebody punches you square in the back, you should just beat the fuck out of them. And <laughs> the <piss. laughs> I didn't
1: want to be violent. I just wanted to figure out why did you punch me? It turns out it was those people from the bowling balls I
2: didn't know at the time. That he wanted his pinball, his duck pinball again. <sighs> That's okay. Mm. That was a funny time, though. It's, I have a
1: video of it, too. Really? <laughs> that we pulled from the security cameras.
0: Oh, you should post that shit.
1: <laughs> I, I didn't even think about it when I was working there, because that would have been a definite no-no. But uh, I don't work there anymore. there anymore. It's <laughs> been quite a long time. Yeah. <laughs> if well, I post it, I'll tag you.
2: All right. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was a good story. You got it.
0: Yeah. God God damn. So what's next for you, sir?
1: Uh, I'm going to keep running my business and hopefully get some COVID restrictions lifted because it's the right thing to do, right? I mean, hopefully we get them lifted when it's the right thing to do. Right, right, right. That's what I meant to say. Uh, And then we can do some more tiki stuff. Uh,
0: So when you do your tiki stuff, will it be at... um,
1: Little Rock. Little Rock. Yep. Yeah, we'll continue to do it there. We've got a great relationship with Quinn, and uh, it's a great, it's a perfect
2: space for it. It's open. It has the... Quinn's awesome, and the the space is awesome. It's such a perfect space because there's indoor, outdoor, upstairs, and what you and Rebecca have done in that space to decorate it, to make it into, to transform it, those six one four tiki events were so much fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, you get to drink from a duck.
2: Yeah, <laughs> a rubber duck. Or at times, straight no, out it wasn't of the pond. No, it was a.
0: It was a. It, it was rubber. not a rubber duck. It, it was looked a like a rubber ducky. Porcelain. It was, it was porcelain, porcelain, but it
2: looked like a rubber ducky. That, yeah. that was yeah. enormous. <laughs> yes.
0: So, when you restart this, how will people find you?
1: Oh. Uh, w- well, you can follow us at 614Tiki on Instagram. Uh, we also have a Facebook page you can search, same name. Uh, but generally, I mean, we, when these restrictions are lifted, we'll be, I have no doubt that we'll be very, very busy. Uh, so come on down.
0: I agree. <laughs> yeah. We uh, Definitely.
1: We were pretty close. Uh, right before the set, we were talking about getting we're in talks rather about getting our own like branded tiki uh, mugs made. and Oh, nice. So we'll revisit that, but it probably wasn't a good time to sink a bunch of money into that right at the beginning of the mm. pandemic. Right. So, mm. uh, yeah, we'll do some stuff like that. And we've got a lot of, a lot of cool ideas. We we're really looking forward to the next time we can do the tiki week, which is just the most fun. Mm,
0: that is fun. And so if, um, their listeners who want you to build their bar at their restaurant or their bar or their fence.
1: Sure. Uh, You could uh, look me up on Instagram at cozy home services. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Pretty easy to find. Send me a message there. And uh, a lot of you that are listening probably have my phone number already. So you can do that as well.
0: (laughs) Awesome. So I feel like you're a full service guy. You could fix fix my house and uh, my bar,
2: I'd say and so. and pour a cocktail when you make the bar. <laughs> Potentially, I
1: was hanging pictures for an older lady in Bexley the other day, and she had some pretty cool art on the wall. And we got to talking, and she said she was uh, worked in an art gallery for a long time. We talked about that. And she said I have this print here, and it was made by this really famous uh artist niece or something like that and her last name is Rembrandt or uh Remington so it's Remington's niece and I said oh it's the guy that painted and did all the like the lost wax castings of horses and she looked at me like I had three heads like what you're here hanging <laughs> hanging pictures for me and like how do like you even- di- like I was like there's there's more to people
2: you know yeah <laughs> how do you know about Remington come on but she's a wonderful lady that's awesome
0: that is awesome. Well, Greg Burnett, thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy schedule to meet with us.
1: Of course, I had a great time.
0: We appreciate it. The cocktail was delicious. And we can't wait for you to uh, build us a, an amazing bar.
2: <laughs> Me either.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Cheers. 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 Listeners, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at CBus Craft Cocktail Tour. And visit our website at columbuscraftcocktailtour.com for cocktail tour dates, women in whiskey tastings, and other events and merchandise. Thanks to our producer, Greg Hansberry, and to the biographer for our original music. Please remember to drink responsibly, tip appropriately, and be cocktail curious. Cheers!
0: This has been a Last Call Productions production.